welcome in to another episode of Turn the Corner, a Detroit Tigers podcast. I am Kieran Steckley. With me, as always, is a man who is available for hire as a wedding DJ consultant. He is Cody Stavenhagen. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing good, Kieran, and that's the truth. I went to a wedding this weekend, and the playlist was heavily disappointing, so... Uh, it's not that hard, you know, play some music that's going to get people out on the dance floor, get some people moving, maybe play music from like the last two decades, you know, nothing wrong with an oldie or two, but you can't have like six in a row. So yeah, uh, hire me, book me, let's go start a business, start a Facebook, whatever, however you market yourself as a DJ these days. Side hustle, Stavenhagen, that's what we're going to call you from now on. All right, Cody. Well, this week was kind of a tease week for the Tigers, right? So you split the first two against Chicago, drop the third one. Then you split the first two against Houston, including an opener that had Houston fans freaking out. I know it. They were texting me. And then you drop. And that one was a kind of a hard drop. You get slaughtered. You get slaughtered. <laughs> kind of a hard drop. And it was also a tease week because we got to see the next prospect in the major leagues. And I got to tell you, Cody. Joe Biden is president. Gretchen Whitmer is governor of Michigan. Mike Duggan is mayor of Detroit. But Tigers Nation belongs to Parker Meadows. How about it? How about it, Cody? How about Parker, it? Parker Mickey Mantle Meadows. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll tell you what. The number one thing, because uh, we don't really break down like at bat by at bat, play by play. You know, we try to look bigger picture on this podcast, right? The number one thing that I take away from this first week, Parker Meadows in the major leagues, is he kind of gave us everything. He gave us his whole body of work. So we hear he's fast. Oh yeah, he's fast. He can run. We hear he's a, uh, and I say this tongue in cheek, we hear he's a mistake hitter. Oh yeah, he can hit some mistakes. He can do that. <laughs> and we hear he's got stellar potential as a fielder in center field. Comerica's not as deep as it used to be, but it's still a vast outfield there, and that was on display. We'll say all all of them basically from jump. So uh, before we get to just like, I think there's something that the Tigers are telling us with the way they handled this, but your impressions of Parker Meadows talking to him for the first time as a major leaguer, and then, you know, seeing them out there do it at Comerica, you know, against quality teams, by the way. It's not like they brought them up when they were playing the Royals. So, uh, and, and key, came up in key spots, obviously delivered one very key spot. But your impression of Parker Meadows, the big leaguer? Yeah, you know, to his credit, Parker Meadows has always been a really good guy to talk to. He's always been... Um... Just a good interview, you know, good guy to be around, seems well-liked by everyone, you know, the the coaches, his teammates, the media. You know, I, I remember once talking to Parker and Riley Green when they were just, just young buck prospects, and, you know, they kind of gave this, like, hilarious interview, and I was like, you guys aren't allowed to change. Uh, and for the most part, they, they haven't really changed as they have matured and, and become big leaguers. This is Parker Meadows' first taste, um, kind of a whirlwind. His family's in town. Obviously, a lot of pressure, a lot of attention, and it's not breaking news to say he looked hella comfortable out on the field. He handled himself well behind the scenes. Uh, we really kind of saw the best version of Parker Meadows in terms of just being an exciting baseball player, doing a lot of different things, walk-off home run. You can't script it any better than that. Um, don't necessarily have to talk about nine strikeouts through six games. The swing and miss, it's still there. Uh, so if you, you're looking for like maybe a warning sign going forward, that's presented itself. But if you're looking for the green flags, there are also a lot of them. He has quickly become the most exciting player on the Tigers. You feel like you got to watch whenever he's at the plate or when he's in the game because he might do something fun. So um, I think it's good to see him start his major league career off on the right foot. We've seen plenty of guys get off to slow starts. You know, he could certainly still hit a lull, but... I think I think it just makes the whole fan base, like everything around the Tigers, you know, record aside, I think you feel pretty good about this week because the ball club was fun to watch, uh, at least with the exception of Sunday's game. Yeah, and that's that's another thing too. Uh, 
I don't have a larger point with this, but the Tigers have been... There's not a lot of quitting here. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of dissension. It seems like they're just going out and playing ball with a team in their position with some of the things that have happened. There are plenty of teams in Major League Baseball that that kind of turmoil is happening. Sure. Um, you can at least hang your head high that that's not happening in the Tigers clubhouse. Uh, so, quick little side note, too. We joked... Well, it's not even a joke, really. It's that, like, you combine a couple guys like the Carpenter and the Badu thing that we said for the past couple of years, and you get Meadows. That is so accurate, Cody, that on his triple, his helmet came off. So <laughs> so the the, the, the Badu trait is there with him. And by the way, on that triple, according to Scat, excuse me, stat cast, 29.9 feet per second, 30.0 is considered elite. So... It's not an accident, the speed there. And then his catch in center field, I mean, it was amazing. The one where he kind of half dove. The wall? No, no, no. Oh, no, coming in. Yeah, okay. the, yeah, like the half dive where he didn't really yeah, ha- yeah. like, you know what I mean? He was there so quick. Yeah, it wasn't like full extension. It was he, he kind of tumbled afterward. And in the moment, it looked like he had just laid out. But he didn't have to because he covered so much ground and, and got to the ball. It's it, When that ball left the bat, I was like, oh, that's a knock, you know. I didn't think anyone was getting up. Well, the angle that you would have seen, so I'm, you know, the TV camera that's behind home plate, I mean, the amount of ground that he covered there, with ease, by the way. I mean, everything in the outfield looks pretty easy to him. Uh, I'm impressed. I'm impressed. Like, the the you said comfortable. The way I, I kind of, and I literally wrote this with an asterisk in my notes, and this is even with his plate approach. He looks polished and i with an asterisk i'm not saying he's a polished player i'm just saying his his demeanor the way he kind of handles himself is that of a polished baseball player and given his journey i would say that's pretty impressive now, yeah i was gonna I, well i was gonna say i think it makes sense he's been he's already kind of been through some of the lows you know he's experienced some failure it's been a long time in the minor leagues like he's he is, I think, a polished player because he had little choice but to become uh, a more p- polished player to get where he is right now. Yeah, and he's a guy that, well, he was one of several guys that you could say the the countdown was on in Tigers fans' minds. Uh, as When are we going to see him in Detroit? And to me, Scott Harris, now he did talk to the media, so shout out Scott Harris for talking to the media uh, he shed some light on on his approach here. Is and I'm and I'm gonna paraphrase this. He said, you know, all these other tools talking about Parker were there, but we wanted we had some questions about the bat, and he you know credit to him for answering them. First of all, I thought that was refreshingly honest. There are more BS ways to kind of go about that statement, and and he didn't. And it's not like you know criticism. It's just kind of factual information. Secondly, in regards to Colt Keith and Jahan, he said in not so many words like, their bat's ready, the other stuff has to be ready. So, I think in years past, the criticism of Al Avila was that, oh, they're ready to be major leaguers, so we'll put them up. And it seems like Scott Harris, at least for this season, is taking a little bit more patient approach to, to the whole deal and making sure that they're ready to compete. And the person who pointed this out, uh, Chris Castelli on Twitter, I thought he nailed it. Um, I thought that was a really good point. So I don't want to make it seem like I'm plagiarizing or anything. But like I feel like that's a, it, it felt really measured to bring up one of your top prospects this week and measured to not bring up the other guys that we're clamoring for. Sure. I think some of it is roster related. You know, if you want Meadows and Malloy, that's two more guys you, you got to take off the roster. Uh, I can certainly see at least one of those two guys coming up at, at some point this year. Um, you know, and, and Cole Keith, we saw him cool off a little bit in AAA and, and kind of respond, you know, and um, for power. Like, I think it's good to see him go through a little bit of the ups and downs. Justin Henry Malloy, like, I've said it, you know, I, I'm ready to see this guy in the big leagues. He does need work on defense. There's no question about that. I, I mean, I think it's a legit concern. Um, they've tried left field. They've tried right field. I think now it's almost like, oh, maybe we should go back to trying third base. Um, I would, you know, Scott kind of said, like, you want him to be ready in all facets of the game. Like, I would 
counterpoint there. If that were the bar, like Kerry Carpenter would maybe just now be like in the major leagues or something. You know, if you can hit enough, you can live with some defensive deficiencies. It's not what you want. It's not ideal. Um, but obviously there is, there is um, a world where you don't have to be a perfect player all the way around to, to get up and let your bat shine in the major leagues. Now, in terms of Parker Meadows, I did really like what Scott said in terms of like, well, what do you, what did you want to see? And he got, he got pretty specific. He said, we wanted CMB more aggressive early in counts um, and then, you know, make better decisions late in counts. So it wasn't just this blanket, like, ah, oh, chase less or like this blanket, like, ah, uh, you know, whatever. It was like, it seems like they had a pretty specific plan that they were trying to communicate to Parker Meadows on how he can best thrive, how he can make the most of his at bats. So they were looking at stuff in some pretty granular detail. Um, so if you want to know why they took as long as they did on Parker Meadows, you know, that that is among the possible explanations. Um, and I think it was good to hear Scott spell that out a little bit. So are we also to interpret that, you know, if you're holding on to some hope for Keith and, and Malloy, maybe, you know, release the tension a little bit in your mind because it's far from a guarantee well, it, yeah, I don't. I I would not say it's a hundred percent certainty that both those guys are up. I would. I would personally. I'm thinking maybe we see one of them and not both of them. And maybe that's not cool, Keith. That, but I don't know. Uh, I, I I don't know what Scott Harris's true thoughts <laughs> on this are or what the plan is. Some of it probably is related to the performance of other guys on the roster. And look, I'm not saying that. Uh, everyone on the roster right now is, is as important to the future of the franchise as Cole Keith or Justin Henry Malloy. I'm not, I'm not saying that at all. I think I've said like, I'm ready to see these guys up here. So, um, but that's all way of like, I mean, there, there was a time everyone wanted Cole Keith to skip AAA, And I think we've seen AAA has probably already been beneficial in a few different ways for Mr. Cole Keith. Yeah. Because we talked last week on this podcast that you know okay so you're bringing up parker meadows we knew that at the time of recording you know where are you gonna play him you put him in right gonna put him in left you know you gotta earn that center field spot uh aj and scott listened to that and said how can we make them look make those guys look like they don't know what they're talking about and so they went ahead and put parker meadows in center field and moved riley to right field and (laughs) And, you know, that, so that's obviously a talking point. Riley seems good with it on the outside. You know, who knows what he's really thinking. Uh, it seems like him and Parker have a good relationship just in general. But, you know, you got moved off your spot. You're probably not feeling the best about it. But you just go out and, you know, go about your job. I think the fact that they put him in center, I think the fact that they slide, they've slid him in the lineup where they have this whole week means that, they're not going to call up anybody, Keith, Malloy, without a very specific plan in place. Because it felt like Parker had a very specific plan in place. Like, yes, we're going to put him in center field. We're not going to, we believe him to be a major league center fielder. So we're not going to put him in left. And we're not going to put him in right. We're obviously not going to DH him. We're going to put him in center field. And we're going to adjust around that. And it kind of, you know, I'm, I'm sure Scott was involved in this, obviously. But it reminded me, too, of A.J. Hinch just kind of being like, I'm going to put, tell me you can't be a major league center fielder. So I'm going to put you in center field. And if you can't, then we'll move you. But it looked to me like they had a specific plan in place here. And I think that's something that everybody's going to have to keep in mind for the entirety of the Harris tenure is that you're not, they're not going to bring up somebody that is considered a commodity for the franchise going forward without a in-depth specific plan in place that that's how i interpret it again with scott's words and then the fact that they just put parker in center uh so like with jay hen where are you gonna he, co- he comes up where are you playing him and keith to a certain extent i don't extent, know he, yeah i don't know <laughs> he comes up where are you playing him uh, that's a little different for those guys malloy especially given that they are more limited on the defensive end though whereas parker meadows like I mean, I think even last week when I was saying, hey, he has to earn it, it was it was talking more about like long term rather than short term. I mean, he's if he's the best defensive center fielder, and if you want to protect Riley Green's legs, of, of course you would put him in center field. So uh, unfortunately, I think it's a lot 
like not entirely comparable to Malloy because yeah, where are you going to put Malloy in the field? Well, I, I don't know. Uh, at the end of the day, he's not going to be up here for his defense. He's going to be up here for his bat. What's more beneficial for the rest of the season or, you know, 10, 15, 20 games, whatever, pick your number. Having, we'll, we'll just group them in Malloy or Keith play third base in the major leagues or continue to trot out there some combination of Matt Beerling, Zach Short, Andy Abanez, uh, because I think we know what Short is. I think we know what Abanez is. I think yeah. I think there's still stuff to figure out with Verlaine in terms of what role he could have moving forward. Um, I think there's some positive things there. I think there's some detraction things there. But what's more beneficial? Because that's going to be the argument that everybody's going to make. Why are you starting Zach Short at third base when you could be giving Malloy, Keith, major league at bats? You know what I mean? That's what's gonna that that's gonna happen. It already. Yeah, is I think it's a pretty sound argument. I think it's a pretty sound argument. Yeah. I think there's a lot more benefit to the Keiths than Malloy. I think Veerling is a, is a little different because regardless of what you think about Matt Veerling, the reality is. He's going to be a part of next year's roster. He's going to probably play a lot on next year's team. Um, I mean, Abanez has done some nice things this year, and, and, and Short obviously has his role. But if you're serious about improving, those guys probably should not be spending a lot of time on your major league roster next year. Whereas Veerling, the reality is he he, he just is. And it, that also then that gets into like, well, do you view Keith as more of a a second baseman or a third baseman. I know that Scott and AJ answer is like, Oh, well we want him to play everywhere. Uh, but if you're serious about like, where do you want these guys spending the most amount of time? Um, it kind of, I think it kind of depends on how Scott views it. If you want either of those guys to be your opening day, third baseman, then it'd probably be good to uh, be getting them reps right now. And, those, and second base is the same. Like, like there is playing time to be had there. Zach McKinstry, he's been a nice story this year. He's leveled off. I think he's still going to come to camp and compete for a utility role next year. I think he has a good shot to be part of next year's team. But what's more beneficial right now, Zach McKinstry or Cole Keith or Justin Henry Malloy? Um, these guys, you know, Malloy especially, he's been in AAA all year. He's had a 400-plus a OBP consistently all year. Like, I think this guy has earned his shot in the major leagues. 19 home runs. I think he just knocked number 19, yeah. if memory serves. Yeah. And and by the way, obviously he's not major leagues this season, but we're probably going to be having these conversations, and it's worth kind of mentioning now, we're going to be having these conversations about Jace Young at this time next year, I think. And I think he's... Yeah, yeah. And Jace Young's gotten pretty hot since probably the last time we, we talked about him on the pod. Um, unfortunately, very similar to Malloy in that the defense is a big question. Uh, and I think I've said like, all right, Malloy, Keith, Carpent, like, like there's some hurdles to jump through in terms of how these guys are all fit on your long-term roster. But, uh, the guy's bat has, has started playing up a little bit. So you were right. He is, he is, uh, probably going to put himself in the picture to debut next season. And in terms of like the, the conversations that are going on in, in the front offices, I'm sure like every day, uh, for the Tigers is like. At what point, like for the rest of the season, we'll just keep it short term. At what point is it really, can you just like narrow down Malloy to one position for the rest of the year and just give him time there? You know what I mean? Like, is that... You think they're going to do that? You think you think Scott Harris is going to do that? I don't. I'm not saying I think he's going to do that, but it's like, I think there's an argument to be made that give him... A, you know, they say, like, you know, it takes so many hours to, what was it, Gladwell thing, 10,000 hours or whatever it is to perfect yeah. something. Uh, thing is, when you're playing multiple positions, those 10,000 hours get kind of uh, dis yeah. dis dis distributed a little bit. Um, so I think it's, uh, at some point it would be beneficial to just, like, give him all the reps at whatever you project as either the most beneficial, the most realistic, or whatever. Because I'm glad you mentioned second base. Because it, it occurred to me earlier this week that, like, you know who's out of sight, out of mind? Jonathan Scope. This guy who was, like, a heavy topic for our, our <laughs> podcast, for you writing, for, I'm sure, press conferences with 
with AJ and all that stuff. And not that he opened the season as a as the starting second baseman, but you're looking at half your infield right now with some questions and maybe a half question at shortstop, which we'll, <laughs> we'll get to uh, in a little bit. Um, Riley in right field. How do you, how'd that look? How, how, how did Riley in, in, in right field look to you? Do you look comfortable there? Is he, cause if, if things go according to plan, he's going to be playing some corner, right? Or not some corner, maybe a majority of corner at some point, either here on out or in a couple years or whatever. Uh, which corner is best suited for his skill set? Oh, to me, Riley Green looks plenty comfortable in a corner. He's obviously played there before, some in the minors and some in spring training. Um, I think I've said for a long time, probably best suited there long term. He was like an average center fielder, in my opinion, who obviously had a flair for great plays. But in terms of the amount of ground he covered, probably about average. I think he has the capability to be a plus corner outfielder, like gold glove level in, in the corners, potentially. So... He's looked good. You know, he's looked easy. I think the question of left versus right is interesting. Probably depends a little bit on the ballpark. Probably depends a little bit on who else is is a part of your outfield. If uh, Kerry Carpenter is playing outfield long term and you're in Fenway, I'm going to put Riley Green in that big right field and I'm going to put Kerry Carpenter in left. Riley's arm to me has never stood out as as like plus. So that tends to have me think that he's probably a little bit um, more of a left fielder. Maybe you get a guy with an absolute cannon and right someday. But if I've learned anything from A.J. Hinch and his management style, it's that a lot of this comes down to factors beyond, you know, the simple like, oh, who has the stronger arm? A lot of it's going to be about ballpark. Anecdotally, I think right fields tend to be a little bit bigger, more spacious, and Riley does cover ground pretty well. So, um, especially given the current roster. I think that's why he's going to be spending more time in right. Mentioned last week, they wanted to get Carpenter some more looks in left just so he's uh, comfortable there. So we're, we're already seeing some of this uh, come together, and it's, it's probably going to be a little fluid depending on the makeup of the roster going forward. And hey, by the way, I'm okay with that. I'm okay. Or if you've learned anything, none of these guys are ever going to have like one home. That's just, <laughs> this is not, this is not how we operate. Riley's probably going to play left and right for the remainder of time that, that AJ Hinch is the manager and center too. AJ also, we talked about this, but AJ made clear like Riley's days in center aren't over. Maybe that's more of like Parker's getting a day off or whatever, or if Parker doesn't hit long-term um, I do believe we will see Riley green start in center field again before, you know, before all is said and done here. It's a great transition because uh, you wrote about Kerry Carpenter this week on The Athletic. If you're an Athletic subscriber, you can read that. But I have to say, be honest with me, Cody. Be honest with our listeners. Be honest to your readers. Did you only write about Kerry Carpenter because the great editors at The Athletic decided to dog him with the photograph on on the how uh, mediocre or bad or crappy or whatever you want whatever you want to say about the AL Central him misplaying a ball in right field uh I, I will say on on Twitter X whatever we're calling it at Kenner underscore Stackley at Cody Saban AP style is X formerly known as Twitter oh, that's good to know that's good to know I like that uh I thought about teasing you but I didn't want people to think that I was actually like because he because people think that you choose the photo or you write the headline or you know whatever so yeah. like i didn't choose the photo there were a couple comments oh whoever chose this picture of carrie bond carrie carpenter is like beloved by tigers fans right now like ever like everyone is about carrie carpenter so if you want to know why i wrote about carrie carpenter that was the main reason and i will i did have an unnamed editor at the athletic um, text me and be like, you know, I was messing around on baseball reference and I came across Kerry Carpenter's page somehow. And I asked myself, how did I not know that this guy exists? So that's also a reason I wrote about Kerry Carpenter. It's just uh, people, you know, on a, somewhat of a national scale need to at least know his name right now. He is, he is obviously uh, playing well. And, and as we've talked about in the past couple of weeks, uh, played himself into a real role for the future here. So, Lions fans will get this analogy really well, I think. 
the Kerry Carpenter thing reminds me of Joyke Bell. So Joyke Bell, running back, undrafted, mm-hmm. Wayne State, like, you know, like, kind of had to get his footing in the NFL. He gets his shot with the hometown yeah. team. And then he signs, like, a what was for a guy of his stature, like, a good contract extension. It wasn't anything, like, crazy or whatever. And at his press conference, he said, it's time to stop talking about Joyke Bell, the former uh security guard or attendant of Ford Field or whatever his position was. Now it's Joyke Bell, the football player, the Detroit Lion. It wasn't a feel-good story anymore. It was about moving forward. Like, uh, you know, that's in the past. Now we move forward. That's kind of how I feel about Kerry Carpenter. Like, I, I, I kind of feel... It's not that I don't, like, take pride for him in the fact that he's made this career up to this point as miraculous as it is. But I think we've kind of moved past the... Oh, isn't this cool? The 19th round pick, you know, hit a couple bombs. Like, I think we kind of have to bury that a little bit. And now it's about what could he possibly be? You know, like, and and there's something, it's funny. We've talked about defensive positioning and versatility and no one has a home and all that stuff. And in your story, there was a quote from A.J. Hinch. And you know I love A.J. Hinch quotes. I love A.J. <laughs> Hinch quotes. When he says something, he says something with two meanings. It's like this meaning and then the meaning beyond it. He said, Always. He said, in regards to Carrie, we don't want to have an everyday D.H. all the time. There's a couple things there that made me think, huh, okay. So for the first time next season, A.J. Hinch is looking forward to not having to put a guy who can only DH in his lineup. And obviously that's a Miguel Cabrera thing. Not to say he's digging at Miguel Cabrera, but I think the way he thinks baseball. No, we, 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 we know AJ loves to sinker. Free up the yeah. DH spot even one more way for AJ Hinch to sinker with the lineup. It's probably going to be fascinating to see who – Who's DHing today? It's gonna to be like every because it's gonna be someone different every yeah, day. He's probably gonna laugh. It's gonna be he'll fun. have Zach Short DH oh, right, today. It'll be a joke. Like yeah, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like he's gonna have some fun with it. Um, but Carpenter versatility, getting him on defense. You had the defensive numbers in there. Uh, the weird thing about Carpenter is, and maybe this kind of parallels especially Torkelson a little bit, who I also want to talk about defensively, is that there's some, I I don't want to say spectacular, but there's some pretty nice plays that are had in the field by Kerry Carpenter. And then it's like, and and then sometimes I flash back to Christian Stewart. And it's hard for (laughs) me, because Christian Stewart didn't have the, the flash plays. But it's hard for. I think I think you asked me a while back who was better, and I I don't even remember how I answered it. I will now. I, I'm not a big believer in Kerry Carpenter's defense, but I I think he is better than Kristen Stewart easily. And it seems like it's like he makes enough plays on defense, especially like balls in the alley or whatever that that because I don't consider him particularly quick or fast. Not to say he's slow, but that's not his tool. Yeah. Just- Average, yeah, at, average best. at best. I don't consider his reactions to be elite or whatever, but he. I would say below average. But he makes some plays that, like, again, like surprise me because I don't think those tools are like the pluses in his bag. And so, yeah. do we attribute that to the randomness of baseball, or do we attribute that to this is a guy who's working hard and George Lombard's, you know, doing his, uh, doing his magic just like Chris Fetter with the pitchers? Lombard's doing his thing. No, I, I, I think he's improved. I, I really do. I don't think that means he's a plus defender or even a, a you know, 50 grade defender, but I think he's gone from probably a liability to like, okay, you can play him there, you know, and it's not going to be a complete train wreck. He's not going to be good. He's probably still going to make some mistakes, but you feel, you feel like you can put him out there. Um, so even though like, like I, I feel like I played, pretty close attention to defense and have a pretty good eye for it but philosophically i'm also like bro if a guy can hit like i don't i don't i don't care that much about what he does in the field i mean i do care and it doesn't matter we're, we're about to talk about twerkelson we can talk about that but like hey you get, you get some guys who can rake like you can live with Kerry carpenter being a um maybe a minus defender in the corner outfield if he's gonna hit 30 bombs and hit you know 280 or above like 
Um, but Dave Dombrowski has built teams like that many a time in his career, and that's what he's done with the Phillies, and they went to the World Series last year, and, and uh, we saw him do it when he was GM of the Tigers. You know, we had Miguel Cabrera playing third base at one point. You had Nick Castellanos. You know, Nick was pretty bad in his days at third base, but I think once Nick went to the outfield, like, it's not always pretty. It's not great. He doesn't grade out well, but when Nick's hitting, no one's really complaining about his defense. So the question I would love, like, this would probably be, this would have to be an off-the-record conversation, but I would love for AJ to answer this honestly and then just kind of spew everything philosophically because I would just eat all that up. How many minus def- – what's the over-under on minus defenders are you comfortable uh, having in the lineup on any given day? Oh, Be- yeah, yeah you, you think I haven't had these conversations, <laughs> What have I said about the future? There's a limit. There's a, There's limit. a limit because – There is a limit. Un- you know, unfortunately, Ozzie Smith ain't walking through that door. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, there's, 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 there's got, there's a promising amount of bats in this, in the, in the come up. I would say in the come up, it's not a lot of gloves that you're, or even complete that are coming up, and and not that we have to talk about it this much, but a lot of lefties too, which further, uh, further kind of. That, yeah, that that's a real dilemma. I don't know how you how you sort that one out. I guess that's again my thing. Like, well. These guys better rake, you know. If they can really rake, doesn't really matter your handedness. If you end up being a little weaker against left-handed pitching, you can live with it. And luckily, you know, Riley Green can hit lefties. Kerry uh, Carpenter's improved against lefties. Like, I don't think you have to be completely beholden to right, left, right, left. Uh, that's another thing AJ loves, of course. You, 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 you kind of got too many lefties. It's a, it's a real concern. Um, it's a, that and the defense are reasons. Like Scott Harris still has some work cut out for him. Like it's it's not all as cut and dry as like Jace Young's the second baseman, Cole Keith's the third baseman, Justin Henry Malloy's not. Like there's they they are going to be changes to eventually sort all of this out. It, probably in ways that we can't really even predict exactly right now. We're not going to talk about this now because we'll have plenty of time to talk about it. But how he handles free agency will be fascinating to me. So like just you know. Well, the free agent class is terrible. That's so. part of the fascination. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, I think that means not going to be a lot of moves in free agency. That's I don't know that for a fact. Yeah, I pro- people probably would that. be That's happy with that, though, because that means the young kids are getting their play. Uh, are people ever happy about that, though? This offseason is going to be, why aren't the Tigers spending sure. money? And I think if there is any offseason, the Tigers should not spend a lot of money. It might be this one, because I'm not excited about it anybody in free agency fair and you did also write speaking of injuries and free agency you did also write uh contributed to an article about Shohei Otani and 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 the future there and obviously it's a tragedy for the sport uh that you know what was going on with him but hey hey, the people want to hear it does this open the door for (laughs) Otani to the Tigers all right he's not gonna get 800 million I mean he's still gonna get a huge contract but hey the door Hey, how about how about another left-handed bat? Let's go. Let's make it I'll happen. say this. Hey, right fielder. Let's let's go. Come on. There's no way the door is more closed. Uh, you know. <laughs> I would still put the chances of this at about zero, and I'm sure there are people who are going to say, "Well, Mike Illich would have done it." And let me tell you what, I think Mike Illich would have done this now that Shohei Otani will not get as much. I think Mike Illich freaking might have gone and signed Shohei Otani. Uh, I'm not. I don't know if that was right, but yeah. Mike Illich is no longer the uh, the owner, it so I, I make don't our jobs more interesting. Uh, to put uh, to put a ball in the Kerry Carpenter conversation, are we going to slot him in as a starting outfielder next season? <sighs> players don't have positions, Kieran. It's just it's 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 not nine position players and four bench players. It's thirteen guys on the roster. <laughs> Is he going to be one of the 13? He is a starter. <laughs> he is he's one of the 13. He is one of the guys, the nine guys who's going to get the most playing time. I I don't and, – and I do think there's a world in which, like, it'd be really nice to have another right-handed corner outfielder. Because um, if, you're, if you're playing both Malloy and Carpenter a lot in outfield, I, like, I don't love that. But that's probably more the reality, so – What it – 
like gun to my head right now, I'd say, yeah, Kerry Carpenter probably starts opening day in, in a corner outfield spot. What a jumbled mess we have. But let's see what Scott does. Hey, maybe Scott yeah. pulled off some like cool trade this offseason. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, there's, can't put it past him. Can't put it past him. Uh, okay, so you put on X, formerly known as Twitter, that some numbers in regards to Spencer Torkelson's defense. Now, I'm on the record as saying that I think those numbers are overstated, but I think it's also important that when you get new data in that you can adjust like what your perception is, what your opinions are. So those numbers are the numbers. They're, I'm not disputing them at all. I still think he is a bailer for that infield, but the other parts of playing the position are obviously lacking. Because what was he, minus eight? What was the number you put out there? I, uh, I, I forget. Uh, uh, I think it's probably gone down since last time. No, he's at, he's at negative eight yeah. defensive run save, negative six outs above average. So my, my question um, is that, why? That makes him the worst, the worst defensive so first why? baseman. In, in why? Especially at first base when uh, you're not did you, putting did, up. Did, did, did you watch the games this week? Well, I'm looking for something deeper than that. Is it a instincts thing? Is it a concentration? Because I feel like athletically, he should be able to do this. Yeah. I, no, I don't think it's athleticism. So that's what I'm like, saying. I, used to say, I think he has the athleticism for third base. I, I don't think his hands are very good. Kind of clumsy. Like heavy-handed? Did we say heavy-handed? Sure. Yeah. You know, like... Yeah, I don't know. And I don't, I don't know that he has great reactions to ground balls. Doesn't always play himself into the, the best hop, maybe. So, like, a kind of a combination of those two things. I just don't think he has a great aptitude for fielding batted balls. So, then that opens up a whole other can of, of worms, right? Because you, he, he can't play any other position. Unless there's some... Uh, maybe I should say that. Maybe he's your next... Is he your next right fielder? He's swimming. I think he could play the out... I, out of the draft, I liked the idea of him playing outfield more than I did him playing third. I think he's probably – I don't think Spencer Torgland is moving to the outfield anytime soon. Let's be clear with that. But I bet he could. I don't see why I don't see why he couldn't play left. Yeah. I guess if he's not good at catching pop-ups at first, though, then maybe, you know, how do you feel about Torque going back, making him play at the wall? Well, moving him to but the outfield is probably gonna further complicated. Yeah. The, the simplest thing uh, no, it's, it, is yeah. for his ass to get in gear at first base. What if Malloy is so bad that he can only play first? These are real concerns. Then maybe you get all right, Torque, you wanna play out <laughs> Like these are these Let's just keep that in mind that that was said today, uh August twenty seventh. Keep that in like two years from now. Just keep that in mind. Because I think there's I think obviously I'm sure this will be part of the end of season meetings and you know, you got to work on this and in addition to hitting and all that stuff, but you can't have your young athletic. We all agree he's athletic, young athletic first baseman with those numbers. You just can't have it. And as well as we feel about the bat right now, that is a long-term concern for the health of the team. So I just wanted to kind of point that out there and, and be like, like this is a real thing that needs to be addressed. Uh, speaking of things that need to be addressed, Javi Bias. I'm a little uh, Maya Copa for your boy over here. The last couple of topics, Javi Bias. Uh, you talked to David Ross. He's he's been through some weird situations. Obviously, he went through his grandfather's uh, death, funeral, wake, all that stuff. He was not with he was with the team a little long, but he wasn't emotionally ready. That's obviously understandable. Then he leaves and he comes back, and the the numbers aren't great. The defense is still something you can brag about. The contract's not great, obviously. But he's going to be here another four years. So what is what is the move? Is there a move? Because there's a lot of people that are going to call for like a buyout of the contract. I can't envision that happening. Uh, I, I no. still maintain no. that there's hardly a good contract. From that shortstop free agent class, um, ones you can live with more than Javi, to be fair. But there's not really a good contract there. So, in terms of big picture, things to keep in mind, I think that's worth noting. 
I think there's a little bit of a come to Jesus moment for Javi that that ought to happen. So it, it reading your story on the Athletic and David Ross talking, like by the way, the whole David Ross thing is like he still has so many people that believe in him in the major leagues that support him and have seen him have high levels of success. Like it, it was a good perspective to have. I'm glad you did that. But what came to me was the quote that he had when he first reported the spring training. When the hitting, the new hitting staff had reached out to him, and they didn't necessarily hear that much from him. And then he yeah. said, in, in not so many words, I think I'm almost direct quoting, uh, in my mind, I did reach back out to them. That's, I, I think that was the direct quote. It's like, oh, did you respond? In my mind, I did. I think that's the the only not a quote that that's aged very well. It's kind of humorous in the moment, yeah, right? Ha ha, Javi's not looking great now. I think that's the number one thing that he's gonna have to as he goes into his thirties. He obviously doesn't want to live with the stigma that's attached to him right now. I think that's something he can do in order to try to get the second half of his career offense a more productive more positive track i think that's like it's got to be like a mindset commitment thing not to say that i'm not saying it doesn't work out and work hard and all that stuff but i think he needs to kind of dive in to the team's ethos and their training and what they're pointing out because obviously he didn't because that's the whole point of the joke and i other than that i don't know where to turn cody other than that i don't know where to turn i still over like he had a couple key base knocks with broken bats this week classic you know, made some plays defensively, classic. But overall, it still leaves you wanting more. It's it's not a great situation. I'm on the record and saying like people are probably too hard on Javi. But what's this look like in another two, three years? I don't feel good about it. I don't feel good about it. I just don't think his game is going to hold up in his 30s. I really wish we had access to like like the blast motion, like bat speed data. I wonder if his physical skills are just already declining due to age, and that's not something that's going to reverse itself. And Javi Baez is not going to change who he is as a hitter. Like, he's just not. I think that's what you what you got when you signed him. Because um, that's my thing. Like, where's the power? You know, the thing with Javi was always supposed to be like, okay, he's going to do a bunch of dumb stuff. He's going to have terrible at-bats. He's going to chase. But you know what? He's going to run into 25 to 30 a year and he's going to do some spectacular stuff and get hot. And like that power is just not there. You know, I, I, he's played through some injuries in the past. Maybe could that be contributing? Is it more of a lower half thing? Um, like I worry that physically he's just already not the same player he was in his twenties. And that's not something that's going to get better. I guess it could lead to like a, Looking at some hard realities, but I don't know. Jonathan Scope did that this offseason, right? Transformed his body, put in a lot of work. It still didn't help him. Talk to the time Scope was DFA. Like, you just look at his baseball card. It's like a, a weird, quick decline, and that, that sucks. Uh, but I think Scope was a less extreme version of Baez. Like, a guy who was a lot of natural pop, but a guy who chased a lot. Wasn't really a, a contact finesse hitter. Um, and it seemed like once he lost a certain amount of physical skill, it just like, it just wasn't coming back. Uh, that's, that's what I fear we are headed toward with Javi Baez. Like, and it's just hard for me to see a drastic change in a, the type of hitter he is and b the type of personality he is like, yeah, maybe he can like chat with his hitting coaches a little bit more, but I don't think Javi is ever going to be a guy who, um, is going to be really introspective about who he is as a player and how he has to change and what he has to do to survive. Especially given the fact he's getting paid for the next four years, no matter what. I think there's also something that Tigers fans can, can take into account in regards to how Scott Harris is going to kind of treat free agency. Like he's always kind of hinted at this, like throughout, like, Earmark developed players, earmark for, you know, at bats for young players, and, you know, the Michael Lorenzen experience, which obviously was very successful. I don't see him maybe 
at a time where the team is this close. But I don't see him kind of going this route uh, in free agency moving forward. Just kind of generally speaking. I, I don't really think that's in his nature. And I think this is also a lesson. And again, those other shortstops from those from that free agent class and a lot of free agents in general, Detroit's had their share. I think there's a lesson in the flash. I mean, even Trey Turner this year. I know he's gotten hot, but th- there was a time where it looked really bad, and that contract is twice as long. And That's a long deal. Twice as long, maybe. More three, than twice as long. Three times as expensive. Uh <laughs> So it's tough. I think there's a lesson. I think the hobby buys, if you just lament the hobby buys experience, keep that in mind when you get upset when no one, when Scott Harrison is spending money. Because I think that, not that he's doing it as a result of, but I think his philosophy is directly related to stuff like that. So that's kind of my, my point there. Uh, real quick, Cody, uh, we saw Casey Mize this week. He, by all accounts, you know, threw a live bullpen. Looked good, had good velocity. We're not going to overrate bullpens here. I, but I think the larger issue is, is there a benefit, really, to having him, if he's ready, if he's ready, pitching the majors this year? Is there, or if it, yeah. what do you think about that, just generally? Uh, yeah, I've kind of been asking myself that. Um, you know, AJ and the Tigers have still been very kind of non-committal, and I think it's mostly because they just don't want to, like, set an expectation, I'm sure. Casey Mize himself has been non-committal, but I'm sure Casey Mize wants to pitch in the big leagues. I I could be swayed to change my mind here, um, but I think if he's ready. If he if if you feel he is physically ready, and that's up to the Tigers' medical staff and people who know a lot more than I do, then why not? Like I don't know that there's any huge benefit, but. Hey, get in a major league game, have him feel like a pitcher again, you know, see if he can have a nice outing or two. Like, uh, this guy's still a big part of your future. He's gone a long time without playing baseball. I think just from a headspace standpoint, it could be good for him. And yeah, I think if he's physically ready to pitch in the majors, have him pitch in the majors. Obviously, he's going to do multiple rehab starts before that's even a consideration. Um, It'd be a down to the wire thing. He's probably not making more than like, two, three major league starts, absolute max at the at one to two, maybe more realistic, but I think you do it. You, if it's at home, you'll sell some tickets. Casey will feel good about it. Get some, some data. You can face major league hitters again that way, because next, next year, the calendar is going to turn and spring's going to be like, Oh, well, Casey Mize hasn't thrown in a major league game in a year and a half. We don't have to have that conversation. If he has thrown in a major league game, He's thrown just over 188 major league innings. And I tend to agree with you. Like, if he's healthy and he's good, he needs experience. He needs to kind of have some more pelts on the wall. And also, I, I'm i a believer in if a guy... Tommy John's not the easiest rehab, right? So if a guy is has worked his ass off, he's done everything you asked him to do, I'm a believer in rewarding that. Even if it's for two starts at the end of the yeah. season, I think that matters. So I, 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 yeah. I tend to agree. Uh, all right, Cody, any uh, anything else before we jet out of here? How about, how about our guy Spencer Turnbull, man? Yeah, that's tough. Uh, worst prediction in the history of pod still was that Turnbull would be an all-star. At the time of the drama earlier in the year you know there there was kind of an idea people were like is turnbull done as a tiger and i was like i mean i dismissed it i'll be honest i thought i i I thought that was outlandish to say at the time just like to assume that what i said was like well like if he comes back and he's healthy and he pitches well absolutely not uh unfortunately turnbull has not pitched well and it hasn't gone well and that relationship seems broken and now like i don't I don't know what's going to happen there. I'm trying to put myself in Scott Harris's shoes. Like, what, would you non-tender him? Like, granted, he's been a good pitcher. Like, why wouldn't you try to get him back to being a good pitcher unless you just don't want to deal with the drama? Like, obviously, Turnbull, I'm sure, feels as though the team has, like, slighted him a little bit. Um, 
so so like the answer is always about performance with Spencer Turnbull. I still think Spencer Turnbull is a good enough pitcher. I wouldn't want to just give him away to another organization for free, but like you do have to see it at some point. And and the rehab assignment, you know, he was optioned after that didn't go well. Like it's obviously been a difficult span of months. That was also my initial thing when when they uh, optioned him instead of putting him on the IL. Like, are you sure you want to do that to this guy's headspace? And I think that's proven to be like, obviously this is taking a mental toll on him. Um, so I don't know what the answer is there, but it's, it's kind of gone like pretty close to worst case scenario based on the options we talked about way back in, you know, early May or whenever that was when the saga kind of first started. I don't like it. I hope that, <laughs> uh, the relationship is good. We all know it was kind of weird, you know, how it all happened. Uh, and I hope it's salvageable because I still believe at worst he's an asset in your system uh, for to, sure to have and I think his upside is good number four good number three Thanks. like I, I I don't want to give up on guys like that so uh, that's just me we'll have to see because I think that is another kind of under it's not really under the radar but it's not really in the front of our minds uh, so It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, all right, Cody. Uh, this was fun. A lot of uh, some big back-to-back, big-picture conversations. I really, I really enjoy that. I think it's and again, the team is playing a fun brand of baseball for the most part. Sunday, no, 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 notwithstanding. Uh, but there's a lot of fun things to talk about. A lot of projections. I'm actually, we'll talk about this next week. I think I'm actually pretty good with like taking off my wash year i don't think it's a wash year anymore i think this has been some growth there's been enough guys that have come up that i don't want to call it a wash anymore i want to call it a growth year not a growth year into contention next year but a growth year in the stages of getting to contention yeah i i think that's kind of what i thought the year would be at the beginning like you're gonna look at the win loss record and it's not gonna be great i i think like Maybe they win 73 games, but it like feels more like 73 is what I said at one point. And right now, even like they're going to have to finish strong, I think, to get to 73. But whatever that win total is, I think it's going to feel a little better than that. For um, sure. So that's, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's where I'm at. It's not like the greatest thing ever. It's not like I'm getting hyped, not like uh, making World Series plans for 2024, but seeing some positive things happen in the organization and given what we've all been through the past several years, that's, that's kind of as much as you can ask for. I'm having fun. I hope everybody that listens is having fun. I hope everybody that's watching the tigers is having fun. I hope everybody who reads and subscribes to the athletic is having fun. I want to thank everybody for subscribing to this podcast, Apple, Spotify on YouTube, turning the corner podcast on youtube no videos this week because my computer decided to do an automatic restart and i lost the video so we'll have another one this week i promise uh so yes everybody thank you for listening and have a great week